Hello, and thank you for watching and listening to the Woodsong Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Larson, and today we have an excellent interview with a very special guest. Many of you might know him from season one of Alone on the History Channel. Now, he and I were both on season one of the Wilderness Survival Challenge show uh, of Alone, and he is best known for unfortunately losing his ferro rod, his only method of fire starting as far as a tool is concerned, on about day three of his journey, and then tapping out, leaving, and going home after losing that fire implement. It was something he took a lot of uh, of gruff over uh, within the next few months or so, but he decided to stand up and, and to get through things and really make the best of the situation. He's now one of the top YouTube influencers in his field and an excellent outdoor filmmaker. So without further ado, here is my talk with Joe Robinette. Good memories. Do you do that when you're filming still? Do you, do you clap sync your stuff? Yeah, man. Nice. That's that's where I learned it. <laughs> really? Yep. So you learned you you learned some of that. How much of your filming would you say, like, that you utilize now in your YouTube videos that you learned from our training on alone? Like, uh, very minimal, very little bit. So, like, like you were saying, the clap thing for sure. I do that when I'm using two cameras. Yeah. Um, one of the only things, the other things was to build a story, right? The the beginning, the middle, the end. You have each scene, even. Mm. Those are the two big things. And then the other, only other thing was when you're panning, to stop on a subject, not just <laughs> pan for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <that>? I st- <laughs> uh, yeah, I still go all the way through. I don't stop. I don't stop. <laughs> why? Why, why stop? You don't need to stop. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the... Uh, it's kind of interesting. Some of that stuff you can use, some of it you can't. For those of you who, who aren't super up on it, um, when Joe and I were training for a loan, it, it was a season one thing. So, like, they didn't quite have everything figured out. You know, as, as anything goes, still a learning experience. And so we kind of got – how much how much camera training do you think each of us got? Like, uh, Significant. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they wanted us to – have some clue what we were doing. We were the guinea pigs, like you're saying, right? Yeah. But I remember there was a few days dedicated to complete training, and then we had like a little one-on-one stuff. Who, who dropped their camera? Remember that? So we dropped theirs right off the hub. <laughs> right on the cement. I forget. I they were just such a great cast of characters season one. I just don't, I, I can't remember them all. It's too much happening. <laughs> it was a lot going on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The... It's unfortunate, but uh, the behind the scenes doesn't doesn't get filmed or didn't really get filmed for our oh, season because there was no. some hilarious stuff going on for season one. People, you know, puff, puffing their chests out, you know, and you get 10 guys or what was it, 18 guys, something like that, all in the same place. Um, well, in New, York, in New York, yeah, 18 yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe even more. It might have been 20. The, the things guys will do to, to try to look tough in front of their buddies is just really <laughs> right. really funny um man that's that's... Group of guys. <laughs> it was it was they're all really really nice like people people come up to me and they uh they want me to kind of say bad things about some of the cast and i just can't do it they're just too nice i like them too much except for you joe i make fun of you <laughs> mostly just your accent i remember uh one of the first Probably the first memory I have of you was like the second day in New York, and we you were down there early in the uh, the little lounge, the the breakfast area. You're by yourself sitting there, and I came, I grabbed some breakfast, and I came and sat next to you, and I was like, just trying to get a feel for everybody. And I was like, so what do you do, man? What are you all about? You're like, oh, basically, you know, I just like to sit around the campfire and tell lies. And I was like, <laughs> I remember that. You know what I mean? That was my initial uh, uh, memory of you. That's what we do, man. We make s'mores. <laughs> swap lies that's what we do and uh yeah that's great we uh joe was one of the first guys who i connected with in that first season cast we like he said we had breakfast together that first day in the hotel and uh and that was right before our big meeting right remember that meeting we all went into and the first ever alone meeting with the cast and they explained the show to us 
because we weren't all super clear on what we were actually doing up until that point. As clear as mud. Remember when they told us what the uh, the grand prize would be? We had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were all floored. By the way, you guys get money for this. If you, you know, like, <laughs> what? That was great. Yeah, man. Like you're saying, like we weren't really. No, I don't. I don't know about everybody, but I know a good chunk of us weren't in that for the money. We didn't know what we were gonna get paid, if anything. See, that's what's so special. I talked to so many people about the show in general, and a lot of them tell me, even people who have been on other seasons, will tell me that season one is still their favorite. And first, I I think that. Just the the storyline, how stories were told, season one is different than the other season. I, I love them all, but um, and on top of that, it was a bunch of guys who were like just figuring it out, you know, right. make, making mistakes all over the place, and just like none of us had any clue what we were doing. You know, we had these cameras, we were supposed to film it. It was it was a ridiculous mess, but it was it was a fun mess for a lot of the time. <laughs> so. Uh, it, that that first meeting as well, they read the the gear. Remember that the right. gear we were, we were gonna take with us on the on the show, and uh, I think Saw wasn't on the items yet. We had to yeah, ask him yeah. for. <laughs> Could you I ask for Saw? That. You and Brand. There was a few guys like we need these things, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to fudge the numbers on that too. Trying to like, eh, what if I bring this? Can I also bring this? <laughs> right, right. Can I utilize this camera item as a tool? <laughs> nope. There was that. What did What did Wayne ask if he could dehumidify? It was like a like a dehumidifier cap thing. <laughs> Wayne Cole Craven Bushcraft, who we who we love on the YouTube, by the way, check him out. He he asked if we were allowed to dehumidify. Uh, I don't know. Some. Sticks <laughs> using the little little metal uh, Altoid shaped thing, and and uh, luckily our producer is pretty uh, you know good humored. He was like, yeah, yeah, you can if you find a way. <laughs> <laughs> Grant was the man. I liked Grant a lot. We had it was an awesome crew season one, and from talking to other people, um, you know the crew has changed a lot, but they're still really enjoying working with the existing crew, and they've they've added on to it from you know from what I've spoken with seasons two three and four um our our season was like a like a three or four person crew in the field uh yeah. other seasons now it's more like a like a 10 15 person crew in the field is what i've heard that's what i think they had on on season four so it's like safety guys you, you got like three safety guys you got like two you know ecological type survival consultants uh, and obviously the people are still just as alone as ever, but that's what they, that's what I've heard from, uh, you know, like the season three and four people that, you know, the changes that have been made, but, uh, it, sound, right. it sound, sounds from talking to them, it's pretty good changes, but, uh, well, that's to be expected with any kind of growth, right? So like yeah. you're saying like, the, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And they, uh, I, my favorite question, I'm not going to say who, uh, who said it. I hope he's listening though, because it was hilarious. And I would love to have him on the podcast as well. But uh, one of our guys, season one, asked, uh, we were going to launch in October, I think, fall. And he said, how am I going to do my taxes <laughs> in April? <laughs> Deadpan asked. So what am I, I going to do about my taxes? And they're like, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll, 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 just, we'll let you know when the time comes. Right. There was so many, dude. There was so much up in the air, man. We all had no idea about anything, right? Like, yeah. nobody, not even the people who were supposed to know what was up. Yeah, and that was part of the fun of it, just learning, making mistakes, hearing about other people making worse mistakes than you. Um, which there is a great only, segue into Joe Robinette. There was only one person <laughs> to make a worse mistake. <laughs> Joe, what was the uh, what are you most known for season one? Uh, it was probably like uh, my good filming abilities, my good natured. Uh, yeah, it's the fire steel, man. You know what it is. I'd, I'd like to say it was the bear. I'd like to say it was me just just laughing and talking to this bear across when other guys are a little worried about it. But that's not the case. You were there it's for the old... <laughs> you were there for three days, and I think I think honestly the production company was super sad that you left. 
because the footage you turned out from those three days was awesome. They they used you in like all the you're still in promos to this day after three days of filming. You know, thousands of other days of people are out there, but your three days still make it into things, which is great. Uh, it, dude, I filmed too much. I really did. Oh, I did. You really did. Uh, and yeah, so like it's I and I can totally relate. Like I've made so many mistakes out in the bush. Like you, you're concentrating on other things, and I, I always tell people that in a way, the first week on alone was the hardest because you're running around, you've got no idea what's going on. You're running around like a chicken with its head cut off and you you don't catch your bearings. And then after that, you become slow and and methodical about your actions. Those early days, you're not, you're still getting used to it. I didn't get the chance to be methodical and slow. You're exactly right, dude. You're a hundred percent right. Because you were, you were in basically survival mode at that point. You were like trying to get set up for the future. And I was, yeah, yes. So yeah, I don't want to make excuses. Like, I, legit, <laughs> I legit was dehydrated and I was, my mind was racing. Like you're saying, I was not in the right frame of mind at all. Like it was, um, it was survival mode. Like you're saying, man. Um, and so that's, that's basically the end of the podcast, uh, end of the story. Um, Joe ended up moving in with his, uh, you know, his, his family living in their basement. Um, and, uh, <laughs> You know, he's just he's just been a bum ever since. So, Joe, thanks for having you. I really appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I just wish you the best. I, I think I'll be uh, scraping myself <laughs> up off the ground. And, uh... <laughs> you had me for a minute. I'm like, oh, that was pretty quick. All right. <laughs> no, but here's here's what's so cool about Joe. A lot of people, they looked at it and they saw you know what he did as a failure and. People were like raking you across the coals. Oh, buddy, I ruined people's lives. <laughs> you hurt my feelings, and apparently, you hurt a lot of other people's feelings as well. Right. It's not, it's not hard to hurt my feelings. Okay, <laughs> I'm sensitive, and and so are other people apparently, because uh, you were you were getting harassed on social media. You know, your YouTube was flooded with bad stuff. Like people were people were like wearing you out. What was that like? It was horrible. I. Uh... I was actually pretty bummed out, like, uh, maybe, if I'm being all honest, maybe a little depressed about it for a while, um, this was my, this is my whole thing, you know what I mean, this is me, I'm this guy, not only that on social media, I had, like, to myself, like, it sucked, like, I, I didn't want to go, I, I didn't, I had something to prove to myself, and it, it was just, it, no closure, um, so yeah, it sucked, and then to have everybody on me like that, really, really, really sucked, and it, what's the craziest thing is I got a lot of misconceptions misconceived ideas is that being on alone helped me in some mm-hmm. way <laughs> which it didn't uh-huh. you know what i mean it, it hurt me it hurt me big time it, <laughs> yeah. it, hurt, it hurt everything it hurt socially everything and it's like um yeah that sucked but i made a point to come back from it and you can look on a video maybe like uh three years ago now however long right when we came back from there and i just laid it all out i like i just said like uh everybody's blown past me this is what's happened um and I, I'm gonna bounce back, and I'm gonna come back hard, and I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back on top. I'm gonna be the number one outdoor YouTube channel. And I said that three years ago. I remember being a little bit more depressing of a video than that, but oh, oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's a, that's a different one. No, no, no. I'm just joking. Oh no, that was a depressing video. For we're sure. gonna we're gonna link it up. We're gonna link your video <laughs> up here so people can watch it and see what happens. It's one of the good things about the internet. And, and you put things up first the bad thing about the internet the fact that anyone can post anything about anything at any time the good thing though is that it fully documents what happened so joe can go back to this video and be like three years ago i said i was going to work really hard i was going to overcome the super bad thing that happened to me on national television in front of <laughs> two million people and i'm going to make something good about it uh how many how many youtube subscribers did you have when you Left for alone, dude. I don't know, man. It's hard to pinpoint it off the top of my head, but it's less than thirty, maybe sixteen thousand. And that was after like five, a good five solid years of YouTube. Yeah. And uh, now you are at. I'll read it. Sure. I'll read sure. it because I don't want <laughs> I don't want you to fudge the numbers, man. You're shady. I don't know. It's, it's shady stuff. All right, Joe. 
Robinette. Joe Robinette on uh, YouTube. Little side note, it's totally pronounced Robinet. Because he's French. But he says, no, 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 it's Joe Robinette. Hey, my, my family bastardized it many moons ago. Joe Robinette. He'd fit in well here in Nebraska. Is at 542,037 people now. So so a little bit of a change since uh, since then. So it's so that jump that jump came from from 2016 to 2017 most of. So I got up to 100 in 2016 and then from 2016 to 2017 400 more. Yeah, 400,000 more, which is insane. So I think the story is very clear here, Joe, and what you did is that no TV at this point, especially like reality TV, like what we did, it's not going to make or break you. It's all up to like the decisions that you make, the, you know, the, the work that you put in to become what you want to become. Right. And that's exactly what you did. You know, you could have you could have said, you know, since I was on TV and TV didn't go well, I need to, you know, be a plumber or something like that. You could have done that. But you said, hey, I'm gonna we're gonna go a little bit of a different route. Um, gonna work your best on YouTube, even though that's where all your heat is coming, is on YouTube, you're still gonna, you know, trudge ahead and get through that. What was your transition like from Getting back, you know, after the the dust settled, let's say, how do you go from that to where you were at at the end of 2017 or even 2016, we could say? What are the steps? Like, how did you put in the work? What did you change in your filming? What was the what was the, the change that happened? I just I started to take it way more serious. So before, up until then, up until alone, I, I was working a job. Up until after alone, I was still working a job. But up until all then, I was working like a, a normal nine to five job, um, and then just doing this as a hobby on the side. And when I decided to just really pour it on, I um, I got a lot of information from some people. One one person in particular was Zed from Zed Outdoors. He's got a YouTube channel and a, a Instagram. And he really knew a lot about uh, social media. So he really gave me a lot of ideas and, and, and helpful information on how to really take it to the next step. I, uh, I started doing a ton of research on my own. I got a little YouTube help from YouTube um, and started pumping them out and started regularly pumping them out. And then really, really taking um, note of my analytics and what my subscribers were saying and what videos did well. I tried to um, build on that and do more of those type of videos. And then just really be personable. I started to really um, be myself to the camera, like talk to the camera like he was just like a friend, you know what I mean? And people really picked up on that. So I started doing longer and longer videos. Overnight camps were the good ones that everybody liked. Uh, I really did this this one at the beginning of 2016. It was a, a two-night where a bushcraft camp where I built a, a shelter, like a lean-to. I only had a small backpack. It snowed a lot. It did really well, but somebody shared it on Reddit. And it blew up. And I don't really understand Reddit at all. I don't know <laughs> anything about it. It's so confusing for me. But, uh, yeah, man, it blew up uh, and, and just got me a whole bunch of subscribers, a whole bunch of, of views right away. And then things just went really, really well for, like, a good half a year. Um, linked up with a couple of cool people, uh, Sean James from Myself Reliance, who uh, I've done a, a couple of videos with. And he's actually blown up now building his log cabin. He, yeah, he's crazy. insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a good yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, really. I just got back. I literally got back yesterday from camping with him. We went ice fishing and, and stuff. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, man, just putting the work in and taking it seriously. Really, uh, really trying to hone in. And, and 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 I don't do it as much anymore because I can't because it's so much. But comment back all the time. Like talk to my subscribers all the time back in the comments and stuff like that. And just really, uh, just really engage people. The uh, the bam the bam son. <laughs> Joe's Joe's come out with Bam Son as a uh, very good branding there. It also it's a, it's a little bit of a throwback to Joe's skateboarder days, isn't it? Mm. With that that graphic look to it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Kind of tells people who who you are a little, a little deeper, even. Right. But uh, get yourself a Bam Son shirt to support Joe. 
uh, is always a good thing. W what I think a lot of people like about your videos, this is, this is my thought that I lost, it almost seems like you've taken the vlogging style of, uh, of taping things. So people are going around and you know, they like vlog themselves getting their fancy coffees every day. Like you've seen those videos, right? On YouTube and they're like yeah. messing around and, and pretending like they're rich and all that stuff. But you actually do really cool things with that vlogging platform. So it's a lot of handheld, you know, showing, showing yourself and then, you know, showing what you're doing, uh, kind of making a story around that. So you're not know, setting up my shelter now because this and this and this. So you're telling more of a, a really meaningful life story in that, okay, I'm going into the woods now. Here's what we're going to do to get really, really comfortable for tonight uh, and and just enjoy the woods, you know, rather than strutting around the city acting like you, you're, uh, you're, you're all suave and whatnot, like all those other, a lot of other YouTubers will, will do. But that, that's what I like is that it's it kind of like a vlog platform. And w when you call someone a YouTuber, so to speak, I, like I almost don't see you in the same category as a lot of other YouTubers because you're not simply making videos for the sake of of uh, you know people seeing you on videos. You're almost like a complete videographer with what you do. You've got the different you know the scenic shots. You've got everything put together. It's it's like you're watching a real documentary. It's not just a, awesome. a YouTube man. It's a real documentary type type filming. So I think I think in my opinion, that is why you've gotten really popular. I think people love watching that. They see how much work you put in. It's just really enjoyable to watch, rather than someone popping up. This is <laughs> this is Joe Robin, and I'm here to teach you all how to you know do, right. do your thing there. Well, I appreciate that. That's awesome to hear, man. For real, like um, I've heard, I've heard before that uh, people have likened it to vlogs as well, which it's very cool. It's very cool to hear, and uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that that you think so. So, if someone else is listening and they're interested in sort of uh, not following in your footsteps, because there's there's only one Bam son at the moment. Um, <laughs> if someone else is is wanting to get started with videotaping their adventures. Um, what do you recommend they do? What do you recommend they they bring with them to the woods as far as camera uh, equipment? Outdoor right. equipment is obviously a, a, a huge uh, conversation on its own. But as far as equipment, and what what do you say they should film when they go out? Yeah, like these days, it's super um, accessible to be able to do that kind of stuff, right? You don't need a bunch of money to get a decent camera. Um, I would try to get something other than your phone, but your phone works fine as well as long as you can. Like if you have an, I don't know, you can edit on your own phone if you have an Apple or some something along those lines. Uh, but a decent camera, go out and just film yourself. So a, a super important thing to have is a tripod. I, when I first started out, I didn't have one, and I was like, <laughs> literally like taping my my camera to trees and like trying to prop it up on sticks and stuff. Just get a cheap tripod, a little gorilla pod, because you'd. I'll, Odds are, if you're doing this cheap or, or to start it with, you're not going to have a big, heavy camera. So just get a, a decent tripod, a decent camera, and film what you're, you're going to want to do. Like, you're going out to the woods, just kind of explain to the audience, like, uh, going to the woods today, it's a nice day, or it's not. What, explain what type of weather it is, what type of feeling you have, that then you're going, why you're going to the woods. Try and set up shots where you're not in the same clip for more than, like, I don't know, 10 seconds unless you have to be, you know, you have lots of different angles, lots of different clips. If you look, if you watch a TV show, they're never on the same angle or, 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 or clip for, for, for more than 10 seconds. Really. That's a long one. Um, yeah, just, just keep it personal, really be yourself. And, um, it really doesn't matter what you're going to do after that. All the other stuff is going to fall into, into place. You're going to get more comfortable. You're going to understand what, what kind of content you want in your own little, you're going to develop, develop your own style. But the main thing is to be yourself because if you start putting on this front or if you start out as somebody else, you know what I mean? You're not going to be able to keep that up and nobody's going to attach to that. What people attach to is your personality. Um, yeah, and just, uh, just try to have fun, man. Like it, it comes across too when you're not. Believe me, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, yeah, just, uh, just 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the main thing is being comfortable with the camera. You know, put it in your face, talk a bit, but don't always keep it in your face. Show yourself doing other things. Don't do a, a, a 30 second walking shot. Nobody wants to see that. Do like a two second walking shot. <laughs> <laughs> and don't do like a dozen walking shots in a row right. from different angles. No, People no. get sick of watching you walk, Joe. Yes, we, don't, we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, you say be yourself to people. That's important. So why do you enjoy going in the woods? You can film yourself doing a lot of other things. Why, why do you decide to go to the woods? Why do you make that your lifestyle rather than something else? It's been, you know what I mean? It's just been my lifestyle. It's, um, it was my passion. It was one of my only things I really enjoyed for a long time. And, um, filming that uh, started because I wanted to start uh, participating in online courses and things like that. And it just evolved from there, but I am branching out. I'm starting to do these Wednesday videos. Um, basically at home, I'm going to set up a studio down here in the basement. We're renovating right now. My, my basement's crazy, but I'm going to set up a soundproof studio. have like uh, a desk with two chairs. I'm going to do a little podcast kind of thing on, on, on YouTube. I'm going to talk gear. I'm going to talk about what I'm feeling about. I, I did a, I did a talk in one of my videos about growing up without a father, you know, and I can do things like that, you know, just, just talking. And I think, um, I want to do that. It's a platform for me to just get things off my chest and talk about things and try and, uh, yeah, just branch out a little bit, to be honest with you. But I do enjoy being in front of the camera. I think I'm always going to be doing something like that, regardless if it's this or maybe, uh, there's some couple things in the works right now, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, the outdoor thing is because I started doing that and I love it. And that's, that's my thing. You know what I mean? That's going to stick with me. That's going to be my, that's going to be my thing, uh, throughout life. What, what got you into the outdoors? Living in a big city, I think living in like being in Canada, but not being in Canada, not being in <laughs> Canada, <laughs> for real. Like, but really <laughs> living in but Canada, really. but <laughs> seeing, um, Growing up watching things like uh, even Fred Penner or Grizzly Adams, the uh, um, Swiss Family Robinson, things along those lines. Um, and then later on, and my mom would take me camping every now and then, just like uh, car camping things. I was always really enamored with it. And then things later on in life, like uh, Ray Mears, people like Ray Mears and Les Stroud really, really set it off for me. Um, Morris Kahansky and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, just uh, just wanting to be more of a of a dude, of a guy. You know, what I mean, like I said, I didn't, ha I didn't have a dad growing up, so I, like I feel like I missed out on some like uh, manly kind of stuff. So to me, that was it was always really cool and a little bit foreign to me too, like the camping thing. So when I when I got into it and when I started realizing I could go back country camping and get and learn these skills pretty readily, I was really uh, I felt accomplished and I was I was very very happy with myself for for doing all of that learning yeah so you say you know growing up without a dad um you're now super a dad i mean you're not fat but like you <laughs> you're 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 definitely a dad now um what's that like what's that like raising a daughter and you know she's getting older now she's like what six yeah six yeah six that was a Heck of a guess. Uh, six <laughs> years old, <laughs> and you know, being a dad, um, what's that like? Are you are you trying to introduce your daughter to the outdoors, getting her to love it? Yeah, man, uh, it's great. Being a dad's awesome, as you know. It's it's amazing. It's uh, gives you a whole different perspective on life, and a little bit more um, calms you down a bit. Uh, yeah, she she's been she's been um, exposed. We've been on canoe trips countless times with her. She's went on her first camping trip when she was like one. Um, she's like a, she's like any other kid. You don't want to, you want to overdo it with anything. You don't want to push them away from things. Right. Right. So Absolutely. To, like, <laughs> Zach, I'm not trying to like shove it down her throat by any means, but she loves to go to the woods with me and she likes to go camping. And, um, yeah, we're, we, uh, we do a lot of things together. We go, we go away a lot together. We do a lot of, uh, vacationing together, nothing exotic, just, you know, going to cottages, going to campgrounds, going to hotels and things like that. Um, she's really, uh, she has her phases, but right now she's really, really, really into me. She's a daddy's really crazy. <laughs> right so it's really cool. It, it makes it difficult to, um, to go away for these trips and stuff. Uh, lately they've only been a few nights that I've been gone away for and stuff. So it's not so bad, but 
like the nine day kind of things really uh they're a bit tougher <laughs> but she understands like we have these conversations like uh, like I mentioned this on a video the other day. It's like other people's parents have to work, you know what I mean, nine to fives, and they're gone all day. And they don't get to see them any day. By the time the kid gets home, they're kind of, uh, by the time the parents get home, the kid's kind of going to school, to bed. Yeah. So I'm gone for a few days, and then I'm back full time. And when I'm here, I'm here. So. Yeah. That's absolutely how I justify being gone for right. a long time sometimes, too, is like I can either work 12 hours a day <laughs> and not see you, but be living in the same house. Or I could go work 24 hours a day out in the field for a while and then come back and spend a lot of time, uh, you know, being a dad. So that's that's how I prefer to live my life, too. Um, mm-hmm. You're even happens. more appreciative of it, right? Because you are. you're gone and they come back and it's like, ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, they love it. The wife loves it. The kids love it. Yeah. And... Uh, reminds me I need, to, I need to leave and come back that's <laughs> one more time i need to leave and come back um i love being in the woods with the kids and what you said about it changing your perspective of things that's been my that's been my experience completely like bringing my kid to the woods i remember is i brought him to the woods as soon as he could walk basically to you know, stumble around and tri- I have videos of him like tripping over trees, you know, yeah, branches yeah. and stuff like that. But it's awesome to see your kids being in the woods and not needing any entertainment, yes. just being completely involved in the natural world, not needing all these toys. Uh, you know, I've got a I've got a house full of toys right now. Like if I turn the camera around, you just see toys all over the place. And, uh, you know, he plays with one toy maybe for a little bit. When he's in nature, no toys, never gets bored. It's almost like we as humans are wired to be living in nature rather than having all this stimulus going on with us all the time. Is it stimuli or stimulus? Uh, I think both are acceptable. You're the one who went to college, Joe. Uh, Not for words. You didn't major in words. That no. wasn't your. <laughs> Joe, what are you studying? Words. I do the words. I'm an accountant. I do the numbers. Uh, yeah, no, like I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Fire, bugs, sticks, helping me cut wood. She's just all about it. You know what I mean? Like uh, I took her to my little camp when she was probably about two, a lean to a head in the woods and stuff like that. She's just like, this is great. You're right. She brought her little baby doll but no like anything else. And she's like putting her in a little sleeping bag, you know, and getting her, it's just, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really awesome to see that. It's a, it's a, it's a fun time. Actually, one of my best videos, well, uh, one of my favorite videos is called camping with a kid. And I take her out with the dog and we just tarp camp in the springtime. And it's just great, man. It's like an hour uh, of us just having a blast right there. It's, it's really good. Camping with the kid. We're linking it in the show notes. <laughs> camping with the kid. Look down. Go. Camping with the kid. That's awesome. And for for me, I I always view like raising the kids in this world as being like a crazy thing that we're trying to do. Because as guys who hang out in nature, you and I know full well that a lot of the things we get in this in the real world, so to speak, are not good for you. You know? (laughs) The overstimulus, all the advertising, uh, you know, the crazy politics, all these different things, the, the tribalism. Uh, that you can see in in society, it's not not necessarily a good thing. It's it's like we've we've come up with this world with all these great inventions that do make life easier in a lot of ways. Like I like talking to Joe when he's in Ontario and I'm in Nebraska. That's kind of a cool thing, but all the all the negative things that come around with it. And I think it's good to have other dads out there that that see that and want to have their kids involved in the outdoors. I think that's great. Dad life. Dad life, man. Dad life all the way. Love being a dad. We should definitely answer some questions. I asked uh, just on the Facebook page this time what questions folks wanted answered. There were at least two good ones. (laughs) I'm just joking. There were a lot of good ones out there. Let's get started. Pull it up. And da, 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 da. here's a good one. This was from Alan Ballard. 
How do you balance modern actually, living with wilderness living? I actually know him. That's pretty crazy. How do I balance... Sorry, say it again. If you know him, you should have known from the first time I read the question, <laughs> Joe. I was, I was already like, like uh, took it back. But anyways, go ahead. Alan, I know him. He lives in Alan Michigan. Alan Baylor. Uh, we, we should we should establish this first. Joe is like across from Detroit, is where he is. Yes, right across. He is like one coat of paint away from being in eight mile or whatever, seven mile, eight mile, whatever it was. Both, both, both. both. Yeah, absolutely. So, little Eminem over here. Uh, Alan Ballard asks. <laughs> How do you balance modern living with wilderness living? I don't will I don't live in the wilderness at all. I wouldn't say what I, what I do is wilderness living. Um, to be totally fair, uh, my longest things that I've done lately have been like nine days. You know, I mean, I lived I lived in Woodland Caribou, which is far up there. We t- took a float plane in, and we stayed there for nine days. Um, but those are just trips. To me, you know, what I mean, those are those are camping trips. Those are um, survival trips, sometimes bushcraft trips, but they're just camping trips. Um, I know you've done some wilderness living. I would call that wilderness living more more so than what I do for sure. Ah, um, I don't know about that. Well, more so than what I've done. Definitely, definitely, definitely superior to you in every way, Joe. <laughs> just kidding. So, but Joe, you're you are working towards that, right? You you want to live in the woods? That's your that's your goal is to move the family into a place that's a little bit further away from. The city, Definitely. so to speak. That, that's a good point. Definitely, yes. I would love to have. Uh, yeah, I would be. I like to have some property just outside outside of a, a city, a city up north, or outside of a town up north. Maybe some some water on it as well. A stream or a lake would be great. Um, and then then I would uh, I would try to do some solar things. I would have some check ins and things like that. Uh, but I have a wife and a kid. You know what I mean? That that don't want to go off grid by any means or anything like that. So it's okay. You know what I mean? There's there's got to be a balance somewhere, um, and uh, I think that would be fine. I'd be to be able to have a pro- piece of property up north that my kid could go run around and like we're talking about. You know what I mean? Already to have that so so accessible and to be able to just walk outside and run around with the dog or whatever. That would be that would be awesome. You know what I mean? And that's that's going to happen actually, and we're taking steps towards that. And it should happen sooner than later. Awesome. Yeah, and the safety is what gets to me. Like, if you if you live remote in any way, it's so much safer than living in the I city. I totally agree. Gosh, I totally it's so much better. People always they they think uh, guys like you and I are just like risking our lives going into the woods for a little no, while, and I'm like, not at all, not at all, man. Way safer in the woods. Dude, way so safer. I, I, I have the same same thought process. So right now I'm stuck between Detroit and Toronto. Toronto's huge, right? Toronto's like a small New York, okay, for Canada. Detroit so is I'm, Detroit. Detroit is Detroit. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I can't go here. I can't go here. I mean, so if anything happened, it's my point. You know what I mean? So living up north, like you're saying, it's so much safer. I would feel like I could walk out the back and get fish. I could walk out the back and get moose or deer or whatever it need be, not even have to go to the city for anything. Uh, and obviously, those are dire, dire, dire consequence or circumstances, but that's where my head goes. Yeah, I totally see it. I I totally see. It. I feel the same way, man. I'm living in the city. Uh, not I'm not by big cities, uh, like like you would say, but Lincoln, big enough city. It's like three hundred thousand people. It's uh, decent, yeah. Big enough, big enough for something bad to happen, something shady mm. to happen. Slim shady. <laughs> You're a little closer to Slim Shady than me. Let's. <laughs> All right. That was an awesome reference. Ah, gosh. You, you wouldn't think having like an outdoor podcast, you'd work Eminem into it, but it's always possible, man. It's always possible. I don't possible. know how much, how much rap lyrics are in my videos, too. <laughs> <laughs> Bam, son. Bam, son. <laughs> All right. Oh, here's one. This is from Ryan Penman. I actually know Ryan. Wow. Man, I I know that I do actually. I'm pretty uh, unless it's a different guy. I think I know Ryan Penman. I think I met him in Minnesota last year. Uh, anyway, his question is: What is the strangest item or package that a fan has sent you to use in one of your videos? 
The same guy that I got a, a gentleman from South Korea that sent me a crazy Korean chopper, I called it. It was like this uh, crazy, like, cane cutting machete kind of thing. But inside it, inside that package, he sent me a bunch of freeze dried foods from uh, South Korea, and I can't read anything on them because it's <laughs> South Korea, right? So, like, to the best of my knowledge, it's like freeze dried, like, uh, squid and, like, eel and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. I plan on doing a video where I just eat, like, try it all, like, you know, in my house or whatever, yeah. just try it all. That's great, <laughs> and I'm man. not, like, really, like, all that, um, do you remember when we were, um, for the show, and we, the, the natives had the ceremony for us, mm -hmm. and they, they cooked up the feast, and they had that, what did they call it, that oil stuff, the danky danky. Yeah, I know, that stuff that Brant was taking shots of. Right, right. So I'm not really that kind of guy, you know what I mean? So I liken it to that. So it should be a good video anyway. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it was like a seal oil type deal, wasn't it? But not quite. You know what it was? They took the fish. I mean, it might have been caught. I can't really remember what kind. And they, they buried it in the sand and let it decompose or whatever. And then they it gelatinized and they scooped off the, the liquid. And that's what it was. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like rotten fish liquid. And we here. ate it. We poured it all over. Well, I, don't, I don't know how quick you were to eat that stuff, but I remember <laughs> it was just sitting there, and I was like, you know, what what do I do with this stuff? They're like, oh, you know, you put it on your crab, your potatoes, you put, and uh, this this older gal, one of the the elder women uh, in the in the Quatsino First Nation, came up to me and she said, "You better drink that oil, or I'm kicking you off of my res." <laughs> I remember same kind of thing. I was at the end of the buffet line and I was trying to not take one. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just like yeah. pretend I whatever. And there was like an elder, like take it. Like he didn't say it, but his eyes were like take that. So it's like took it. you roll up in my land here, <laughs> my tribal ceremonial areas, right, right. and you or think, <laughs> yeah. Wayne and I got a standing ovation because we were the only Canadians there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I remember making a comment to you about, hey, what about letting that other Canadian guy on there for a little more entertainment? And Joe's response was, uh, I don't think anyone else from Canada needs to go on this right now. <laughs> I think we've done all the damage necessary to Canada. Yeah, that was a, that was a blow. Which is not necessarily true because, uh, well, you know, obviously awesome things have happened with Canadians and with you guys who are on there. But it, very funny at the moment. Um that was all. I forget all about that stuff that happened, but yeah, they, the the minute we got there, the the First Nations folks they wanted to to show us uh, more about their culture, and of course we were more than eager to learn about it. And so we got invited over for a ceremony. You know, the the participants and and the First Nations people there, and they they danced for us, and they there's food, and it was just a great time. And Behind the scenes footage, I believe the first episode of season two, which is like behind the scenes stuff, they actually showed part of the the dance and and those Whoa. things. But I didn't know that. Yeah, I caught a little bit of it back then, a few years ago. But uh, yeah, so it actually turned out on TV. That that was an awesome, awesome. experience. Do you remember at the end, um, we actually all got up and danced with them? We did. Yeah, and there was like some like like uh, I don't want to say names, but like. For the longest time, a couple of guys from our group were sitting there like this. Yeah. And like, everybody got up, though, at the end. Everyone yeah, was yeah. up and danced. <laughs> do, you, do you recall the uh, what, what almost got me in trouble? Yo, I sure do. As soon as you said that, I sure do. Yeah. The, you, you, you're slick. You're a smooth operator, Sam. I'll tell you that much. Well, the, I, didn't, I didn't notice until Josh Chavez told me. After sure, I had sat down, sure. I had I no idea what realize. I had said in the moment. So during the ceremony, <laughs> let's give a little little backstory on this. During the ceremony, <laughs> we had uh, they they have a class they go to in school called culture class, and they brought out the the kids who were taking the culture class, and the teacher was there talking, and he said, "You see, we're we're dressed in red because red is the color of our people, and red represents the you know the pride we have for our culture." He said all these nice things about red stuff and about being, you know, red was their color. And I felt an instant connection with that because the Nebraska Cornhuskers, obviously, red is the color of my people as well. So my people and his people, same colors. 
So I get up and <laughs> I phrased it about as poorly as possible. Uh, how I described our kinship bond was you're red people and I'm red people. So we're both red people. You know, it wasn't until. My jaw hit the floor, dude. I swear. No idea. I just called a, a room full of about 200 native folks red people on accident. Everyone knew it was unintentional. We all knew it was unintentional. It was just so poorly worded. Well, I looked in the, the, the elder guys, they were in the back row there. And, uh, and then some of them were sitting by their drums and they're just cracking up. I thought they just thought I was a goofy guy. No, you got a round of applause from, from, <laughs> from the band for sure. You did. Yeah, no, there was no like ill will. Like they were all like, yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, man, we're going to have to do another question to get out of that one. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the memories coming back. <laughs> Alrighty, so getting back into it. Okay, we might need to do more than that, but uh, I don't know about your ferrule rod. Do you still use a ferrule rod, Joe? All the time. All the time. I love ferrule rods; they're great. Yeah. I want to be. I almost want to be a part of that like weird elitist group that thinks that they they shouldn't ever use ferrule rods, but I just love them so much, and I I like matches better. Um, I don't really like using lighters, but I, I do like ferro rods. I'm right there with you. I like matches too. Um, I think ferro rods uh, are just handy. You know what I mean? I'm not going to – the thing is, it is super important, and you don't need to use one every time. And I use one on video all the time, but it, it, it there's just because I carry it. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't use a lighter. I can use a match. It's just – it would be silly not to carry a fire steel – It'd be yeah. silly not to carry one. And they last so long. Like the one I had on um, when we were out there. Yeah, mine lasted a long time. It, they last forever. It, mine, you can <laughs> barely tell it was used. And I used it for eight weeks in the Pacific Northwest. It's, it's crazy. Because um, it was a nice big mine, fat one, right? Yeah, mine still, it's almost full still. <laughs> Somewhere. I want to post a scene of someone finding a ferro rod with barnacles all over it. This is Joe's. Some guy in Japan. <laughs> Just showed up at the uh, at the Honda plant. Um, so here's a good one. Nathan asks, he says, I'd like to know if you, Joe, are going to teach classes again. He lives just on the other side of the river from him, the U.S. side, and uh, would love to go to one. So, are you? People who don't know Joe did classes for. Actually, you better say it, Joe. So you did classes for a while. What What are you doing now? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a few courses, probably a handful. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think I want to do it. If I do, it's not going to be on my own. It just wasn't. Um, it wasn't worth it at all. It was a lot of legality issues and, and, and expenses that did not get covered. And uh, it took a lot of time away from YouTube where that's my job. You know what I'm saying? So uh, people, you can say, well, well you're just get camp you're getting paid to go camping with people, but that's not the case. You're not just camping. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're really responsible for those people and you, you have a, it's, it's kind of stressful at the same time. So, so. I didn't mind doing it. I, I enjoy the teaching part of it, but I would need, uh, I would probably do it under another school if possible as like a guest instructor or something along those lines. Uh, but maybe down the road, depending if I get, uh, if I get some land or if I get some free time and stuff, but um, I don't have any desire, any, any desire to anytime soon or any really plans to anytime soon. Yeah. You know, what you would really enjoy Joe is going to the primitive skills gatherings. You would you would love those things, yeah. It as soon as you can, I would say you should go to to any of them. You know, just to you go there, you learn a new skill. They're they're cheap when you consider what you're doing there. Like you're getting all this instruction. You pay like three hundred, three fifty for a whole week, which includes two meals a day and camping and water and all that stuff. 
and you just get to go out and learn. And, uh, you know, if you, if people like you, you can eventually be an instructor there and it's, you would love it. I love it. Learning. Are you going to any soon? Or is there any coming up at all? Or? You know, my, the one I go to is rabbit stick yeah, in Rexburg, one. Idaho. I, I love it. It's, uh, I think before I went to it, I thought it was a bunch of the crazy elitist primitive people. And it's okay, absolutely not the, true. the idea I had, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's the idea it gets. I think I think that stems from, and uh, it's not anyone's fault. This is where I think it comes from. Um, a lot of people, when like Dual Survival, the first season yeah. came out, they they were watching Cody Lundin and what he does, and they they kind of made him into a god, so to speak. And they've done the same thing with Matt Graham. Those those two guys are both in the same general like community. Uh, in, out west, as instructors, they both taught for Boulder Outdoor Survival School. Uh, did primitive living stuff in in the southwest, um, and I think they look at that and they think everyone is like some elitist, primitive, purist guy down there. And there's such a variety of people, and most of the people there are just just love being in the outdoors. They love. There, there are some goofy, goofy people there. Uh, that's why I fit in so well is because right. I just dork off the whole time, uh, <laughs> basically, uh, when I'm a rabbit stick. And it, it's an accepting community. Uh, you, you show up. No one judges you. I mean, you, you could probably do something really stupid, and then they, they talk about you. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really welcoming community. A lot of really old people that have a lot of really good skills. And uh, it's, it's a low-key, no-judgment type of place to learn a new skill. So many people that show up there have baseline skills. They're very, you know, they're introductory folks. Right. So I think I think the gatherings are great for, for anyone. You know, well, just I be would, yourself. When, it, when is Rabbit Stick? Rabbit Stick is the second week of September. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? If, uh, if you go next year, I'll go. Well, I'll go. I'll go. I'm going already. You better buy your plane ticket. <laughs> there you go. Bam, son. Bam, son. Yeah, I'll go. How how far in advance should I buy my ticket? Um, right right now. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, <laughs> not really. I don't think it's ever filled up. But uh, oh, okay. there's okay. look it up on uh, the Rabbit Stick. Yeah, it backtrack yeah, backtracks. LSE. It, it's a good thing. You fly right. into uh, either Idaho Falls and get a car, or fly into Salt Lake City. I could pick you up if I'm going there. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, work it yeah out. I'll definitely go, man. I, uh, I've i been to big meetups before. Like uh, when I was on the Bushcraft USA forum, we, we went to a couple of really big meetups. Like, I don't know, maybe not as big as that, but like 60, 70 guys. Pretty, pretty decent turnout yeah. sometimes. And it's the same deal, dude. It's like it's like you're saying, man. It's just people just, just acting, acting a fool, being themselves. You know, it's just a good time. You know, there's all sorts of, uh, different skill levels, different types of people like you're saying. So I do, I do dig that, uh, that environment. I, I really enjoy that. I haven't gone to one in a long time. Yeah. And rabbit stick is, is a, is a family event, so to speak. Okay. So if nice. you wanted to bring your, your wife and kid, uh, they could come if they wanted to come, <laughs> I should right, say, right. and, uh, and be out there. It's, it's very family friendly these days and it's, it's awesome. Uh, event, but uh, that goes my sales pitch for somebody else's business. Uh, <laughs> well, well deserved, but uh, excellent. Yeah, so highly, uh, uh, highly recommended. Yeah, a lot of people don't don't get that about running courses. It's really difficult legally. Uh, it's really difficult if you don't live in an area where there's cheap land. Uh, for instance, where I live, you can buy land that there's nothing on you know you could buy like well, an, an old unfertile <laughs> cornfield next to a, a interstate for like 20 grand an acre or 30 grand an acre then again there's places if i ever buy land it'll be down in the ozarks probably where it's you can get land for like two thousand bucks an acre um it's wooded there's no zoning building codes or anything like that so you find patches like that Oh yeah, it's real easy to get land and start a school and and do that. It still takes a ton of work to set up and advertise and a ton of your time to go out there and set up a curriculum and do. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult to run courses 
And what I experienced when I was trying to run courses, and I, I guess I still probably will in the spring do some like foraging and, and whatnot, but uh, your your reach is far less than it would be sometimes teaching at a gathering or um, doing your, your online stuff. Like most folks who know about my stuff, even though I've gained a little bit of like local uh, legendary, so a lot of it, I'm really popular in Lincoln actually. That's a joke, not really, not really. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of work for not a lot of reward. And unless you find your niche and have a good system down, it's just not that not that profitable sometimes. Um, yep. So that's that's exactly right. That's exactly what I found. And I was traveling. I'm no joke. Nine hours to go do these courses, dude. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, on top of that, you got you, you get to call up an insurance place. You know, if you're yeah. Yeah. Safe. F- hey. Axe. <laughs> so we're gonna be doing some. Uh, let's call it eco tourism. <laughs> Would you like to insure me? Oh, sure. What are you doing? Uh. <laughs> Don't drop the S bomb. The survival bomb. Or the no. wilderness mommy, it, it happens. But uh, yeah, so that's super difficult. I found where I live, um, permissions to do a commercial activity are super uh, difficult to, to come by, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard and boring in some ways. I feel like we should end this podcast in a, a less boring way than talking about <laughs> okay. how difficult it is to start a school. <laughs> Failed business. <laughs> all so, right. <laughs> so, Joe, obviously we can find you at – it's Joe Robinette on YouTube. This is all going to be in show notes, but what is – what's your website? Okay, so, yes, Joe Robinette on YouTube, joerobinette.com is my website. I have a little bit of merchandise there. Uh, the shirts are not on my website. Maybe you can just put the link in there. It's a super long – or you can just go to my last YouTube video and check that out, and it'll tell you exactly where to get those. My Instagram is Joe Robin at Bushcraft. Twitter is Joe Robin at Bushcraft. Awesome photography on the Instagram, by the way. Excellent, excellent stuff on Insta by it's- Joe Robinette. Always, always. Um, and Joe, what is next for you? What are you working towards, man? I'm going to blow up. Gonna get bigger. I uh, I want to I want to branch out. I want to hit a million subscribers in maybe a year and a half. And to do that, I'm gonna need to start doing um, more videos. So two videos a week. Like I said, my midweek video is gonna be more of uh, just me talking about my personal stuff. Uh, still doing my big trips once a week on Fridays. I have a trip, a bucket list trip coming up um, where I'm flying to. Yellowknife, and then getting picked up. Dang, Yellowknife. Yeah. yeah, and then getting picked up and flown to the Great Slave Lake and fishing for, like, monster, monster, monster lake trout and all sorts of fish. There's musk ox there. I'm going to be getting dropped off on an island and camping for a few nights by myself. Musk ox, crazy fish, uh, almost subalpine terrain. So that's going to be a, a big trip for me this year. Uh, yeah, just, uh, more of the same and a little bit of new. Yeah. If you want to find out how stinking remote Yellowknife is, put it in the Google machine, Google maps, Yellowknife, Northwest okay. Territories, Canada, and see just how out in the boonies that is. And that's your launching point. She's so, up there, bud. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, sorry if I've made fun of anything that you've said. You know, while we've done this, it's really. Do you remember? Do you remember in the uh, in the in the grocery store Overweighties? Uh, we're walking, we're walking, the uh, grocery store we, called Overweighties. Yep, Overweighties. Myself and this other uh, Canadian, this lady, Canadian lady, almost bumped into each other, and we're both like, "Oh, sorry, sorry." Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. You're standing right behind me, and I just look behind you. You're just like. Beat red, almost ready to die. <laughs> Gotta love Canadians, man. Gotta love them. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, it's good to hear all that. And uh, I'm glad you're doing well. So, people get anything out of this. Even if you, you, you fail the first time, keep going. Be a Joe Robinette. Don't be a quitter. Make something of this world. 
get out there, do your best. Anything to add, Joe? Just really good to talk to you, buddy. It's been a long time. I'm, uh, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're, you're doing well as well. It's good to talk to you, man. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we hope to have you back for another episode of the Woodsong Podcast really, really soon.